Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, good gardening, folks. And Mr. Kelly, it must have been a hot show for you today. It was. It was. It was I see you got your swerve taken off. Yeah, I had to take my sweater <laughs> off. Good thing I wore something under it. But yes, it was a little warm in here. I, I was, thought maybe you were just trying to flex your muscles. For, no, I just for I Greg thought you were going to bring in some plants, and, ah. and so they had it nice and warm, like a greenhouse in here. Right. Yeah. It is so, very warm. It is. So <laughs> good, good for a hot radio show. Exactly. Thank you. And folks, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly. If you have questions or concerns about your plants, what a crazy week for us and for the plant material. It was freezing below zero. Then it got up in the 60s, and then now it's back down. Oh, my goodness gracious. Those poor plants, and especially anything that's been installed within the last couple years, two years or so, because all that freezing and thawing stuff, it causes the plants to, because the root systems are not well established to anchor it, it causes it to heave up. So go out and check out your plant material. Hopefully you have them mulched with St. Louis Composting Mulch. But anyway, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yeah, get that sweater out of here, please. <laughs> the newsroom is always cold. It's the studios that are warm. <laughs> Uh, we can discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants, your potting mixes, soil improvements, pruning to bugs, diseases, planting, removals, and um, how to make the best choices. But please remember my words, strictly open opportunities. After that, it's going to take work, physical and mental, both as we move through and along this great marathon called gardening. There's no sprints out there. And this is your show. I certainly appreciate you being here Thanks to Greg. Again, he's producing. And uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since it's, insi- is it insemination or dissemination? Whenever it started, who knows? I don't know. Inception. It's okay. So 1994, I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener Magazine. I wrote the article for the May-June issue. You got to write them like months ahead. My May-June issue is summer bulbs so anyway during the week i do landscape consulting if you'd like for me to come over to your home and do a walk and talk you can go to my website mikemillerdesigns.com the home page there's my email address and phone number where i can be reached today's good gardening stroll is brought to you by st louis composting 636-861-3344 so i sat in the morning having breakfast I thought, where should I take my good gardening stroll today? Then a light came on. Yes, I figured it out. I'm going to go to the downtown epicenter. That's where the old courthouse is, where Dred Scott's statue is. Luther Ely Smith Park, which has been stretched and renovated and redone entirely from what it used to be, goes all the way over the top of Highway 70. And what? At the Hyatt Regency, 
at the Arch, I think that's the official name, where the winter warm-up occurs. And, whoa, I thought, what better to do than go get warm at the winter warm-up? So as you come, start approaching the Hyatt Regency, outside you're going to see some pots with arborvitae in it, and you're also going to see some boxwood in the ground. But also you're going to see some kale. They've left some kale. It's now frozen. It's sort of scary looking. So, but don't worry about that. No big deal. And as I stepped through the door, I saw there's some TV station down there doing some filming. Inside, you're going to see potted jade plants, Sansevieria, or mother-in-law's tongue, or the Dracaena, huge Dracaenas, or maybe it's some kind of, I can't really, it might be a yucca, but I don't know exactly what it is. It's hard to tell. Anyway, Cardinal Care Winter Warm-Up. And that's projected on the floor from above. And that's on the mezzanine level. That's where actually all the activity will start. And as I stepped through the door, there was about 16 people already in line, queued up and waiting. And uh, by the time I left, which is about 15 or 20 minutes later, that number had doubled. A lot. Of, <laughs> this is pretty interesting. A lot of people bring five-gallon buckets with the lid on them to sit on. I don't know if they then fill them up with stuff that they get at the winter warm-up or what, but I was surprised to see how many people brought five-gallon buckets. A few people did have, like, folding chairs that they brought of their own, but when you're standing in line, that's what you have to do. There's all kinds of different various ticket sale booths, 50-50 sales, ticket re- uh, what is that ticket resolution? I don't know exactly what that is. There's autograph tickets for sale and will call, so... And the counters are really bright with red lights. And uh, it's just kind of amazing. A screen, big screen, above the bobbing helium balloons. One of them looks like, or there's two of them that actually look like a cardinal, if you look really, really closely. But on the screen, it's going to say, if you want an autograph from this person, it's going to cost you this much, this person, this player. And the names go all the way from Ankeel to Wong. So there's all kinds of people that are going to be there. I guess probably not every day they're all going to be there, but, you know, in and out, up and down, all around. And, uh, boy, there's a giant snowflake banner, which lists many of the contributors to this Cardinal Care. And up on the mezzanine, well, I was going to go up there and take a look around, but it's closed. The escalator said, nope, don't go up there. You can't do that. And um, anyway, there's nice, calm music for everybody as they're standing there waiting most people did that was in line had some cardinal jerseys on, cardinal this, cardinal that. Wonder why they had cardinal. Oh, it's a cardinal winter warm up. That makes it logical. So, what else? Well, as I was leaving, surprise, surprise, I actually, you know, went up the street, I went up Chestnut. That's the street that the Hyatt is on. And uh, there was a couple standing there. They were putting money in the meter. I thought it's a little bit early, but, you know, they can do whatever they want, so I don't care. But uh, this guy had shorts on. I said to him, I said, thank goodness there's somebody else with shorts. So he was out there. He had no, I mean, no long pants. He had shorts on. So that was kind of great to see. So I'm glad I left when I did, so I got a chance to see somebody else wearing shorts when it's like 15 degrees or something. And downtown, there's no ice anyplace, not on sidewalks, not on streets or anything. So if you're coming down for the winter warm-up, you got plenty, you know, you don't have to worry. Parking, that's going to be, you know, there's parking garages, there's parking this, parking on the street. 
probably most of the street parking is going to be already full. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you step outside, expect to be cold. It's really, 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 really cold. But uh, all kinds of different things going on in the outdoors. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I was certainly thankful the other day they kept talking about potentially ice and this and that and everything else. It never seemed to happen. So I can, you know, I was lucky about that, but I'm certainly not going to say it won't happen again. Uh, because I think uh, Brian Kelly had said weather why or the weatherman had said we've got one or two inches of snow, and if that starts you know melting and then refreezing and everything else, anyway, let's go to the phones. Ruth lives in O'Fallon, Missouri. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question this morning. I try to uh, watch the meteorologist, and when they say we're going to have a little bit of a thaw for a couple days or something, I try to get out and do just a little bit of yard cleanup uh, in January and February if we have those moments. Mm -hmm. And my question to you is what I was planning for on the next uh, little spurt of, you know, four or five good days is to clean up some of my perennial beds, uh, get the dead brush out of there. And then I was wondering, is it too early to trim back on some of the junipers? Would they be able to handle it if I trimmed this early? I would say I would not do that. Okay. Because we don't know. I mean, we're only three weeks into winter. We still got, you know, like a lot more time. And we have no idea what the weather's going to be like. So, again, I make the analogy like if you have longer hair and you cut it really short and you go outside, it's going to cause a real impact to your head. And if you, you know, even if you're just doing some light pruning on something, it's mm-hmm. still going to cause maybe an adverse impact on your junipers or anything else you might be pruning when okay, we're kind so of in the middle, not even in the middle. Typically when I do it, it's usually early March. Right. Is that a better stick with that program? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. If anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Seasonal stuff, we still have. (laughs) Tracy likes the seasonal stuff, so we still have some up. I'm going to take a little bit more down today. But some people still have a lot of stuff, you know, in their yards. And that's fine. That's great. I don't mind seeing it and everything else. And there's no reason to take it down if you don't want to. But just realize that it can cause an adverse impact on plant material themselves. Like I said, mainly what I speak of mostly is those inflatables. When they collapse during the day, they they create a lot of humidity. And especially during that period where we were really warm. We, we have a, let's say, uh, a three-season porch, and when the weather is cold, it's fine. But when we had those three or four, you know, warm days, all of a sudden the floor in our porch looked like somebody had poured a bucket of water. And that's just because the humidity had increased, and then the humidity had settled down on the floor. So it was that's the same thing that happens with the plant material outside. So just realize that that's something that you need to be certainly concerned with. All kinds of things going on in your life, I'm sure. But how about volunteering for uh, Brightside St. Louis, Gateway Greening, Forest Park Forever, Missouri Botanical Garden, and there's lots of conservation groups too. So all these groups could certainly use your help doing various things. 
Brightside St. Louis, they do a lot of cleanup of, they don't want you to go, necessarily go out yourself and clean up the graffiti, but that's just part of the organization and what they do. So Brightside St. Louis has an office very near the Botanical Garden, and it's uh, on Southwest at Kings Highway. They've got a great garden, too, so if you want to just kind of walk around their garden, they certainly don't mind that. It's not closed off or anything else. And this is a time of year when you want to go out and get a soil test. And how about right now? Hmm... Ground might be frozen, so you're not going to be able to get the sample. A few days ago, when the ground was thawed, and it did thaw, you could have taken the sample then. So get that soil test done. Find out what's in your yard, and that way you can maybe save yourself some money and maybe self save your plants some grief simply by you know knowing which fertilizer to avoid, which element of the fertilizer to avoid, and that sort of thing. So that's what the soil test is going to do. It's going to help you make a lot better decisions on how to help your plant material. And also, debris. The wind, the wind has been so crazy lately. Usually I can see the leaves. They're blowing southwest to northeast. They're coming up out of the park, and that's fine. The other day, there was leaves blowing anti that direction, up and down and all around. And suddenly my front yard has got part of it at least has leaves that are building up. Now, you could go out there and you could rake it, but I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do in the wintertime is as soon as the ground is warm again and thaws a little bit, because you don't want to walk on frozen ground where there's lawn, simply by the fact that, guess what? you can cause some damage to the crown of your lawn plants. And that's the growth points. That's where the root system and the stems meet. So when the weather warms up again, I'm just going to set my mower blade high and just go and just chop up the leaves. That's what I'm going to probably end up doing. No, that is what I'm going to end up doing. Oh, and one thing about the recent Ruth who called from O'Fallon, uh, she was talking about cutting her perennial plants down. Now, that's fine. That's great. But any of your perennials that bloomed in the fall, your asters, your mums, those type things, don't cut those down yet. You know, earlier summer blooming type things, you can cut. But the fall bloomers, you should leave the above ground growth there because it's going to make it a lot better protection-wise. Those stems, even though they're aesthetically ugly, really help the overall health of your plants to be able to survive with this crazy winter. So same with the ornamental grasses. If you get aggravated at the ornamental grasses, just put a couple bungee cords around them. That will keep them from just shattering and falling all over your yard and blowing around. Excuse me, blowing around. So anything that blooms later in the you know in the fall or even early fall, don't cut them down this early. Wait until springtime, then go out and prune them at that time. Sandy lives in Creepcourt. Sandy, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have a question, and I know you've talked about this a lot. Um, I removed a tree. Um, it's probably two seasons ago now. It's not quite two years. But um, we had the stump ground down. We cleaned out the hole really well, and we filled it with uh, a mixture of uh, topsoil and um uh, what do they call it, uh, mulch-like stuff, and it's it was called berm mix, and it was recommended um, because I wanted to plant grass seed over it. Mm-hmm. Well, I did, <clears throat> and this goes down, oh, a good four inches. 
I planted the grass seed over it. It came up great, kept it watered, kept it watered. Even through the drought, I would go out and I would make sure that it was watered. But it's it really started failing, um, you know, in the very late, late, late fall before it got cold. I, I noticed that it wasn't as green anymore, and it's kind of browning. And I don't understand the chemistry of it if you're putting new dirt, essentially, in a hole that is approximately three to four inches deep, why that grass wouldn't be doing well. Basically because there's still a huge amount of wood underneath this three or four inch deep hole where the stump was ground out. Mm -hmm. And this wood dehydrates the soil. It also binds up nutrients. So your grass plants, even though they germinate, while they're still just basically growing in this really great soil mixture that you've put down. Ultimately, the wood quality of the root systems, where it's the main you know, stem root that goes down or the lateral roots, starts to have an impact on that soil, regardless of how good it was or anything else. And that's why the lawn cannot survive in that kind of situation. Really, no plant material can. That's why I just tell people, you know, mulch it over, put a pot on it or something, or just, you know, kind of mulch it and leave it alone and let that mulch that you're using, you know, start breaking down. And slowly but surely, in a couple more years, not a couple more seasons, you'll probably be able to grow some lawn in that situation. Okay. All right. Well, th- I didn't realize that if the <clears throat> what was left of the tree that far down in the ground I didn't realize that that would impact what I put on top of it. Oh, absolutely. It certainly does. Okie doke. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was, you know, it's kind of a, you know, people always, or I don't want to say misled, but they always think you grind the stump out. You're not grinding the whole stump. You're grinding the surface part of the stump out. And below that, the lateral roots are still there. They're still going to start absorbing or they're going to continue to absorb because the feeder roots are still there, too, on these lateral roots absorbing nutrients and moisture. So until those start imploding, so in other words, creating almost a rut, looks like a, you know, a mole tunnel type thing, then they're still viable and it's going to make it difficult to grow. And especially if it's a big aggressive tree that was taken down. So thank you, Sandy. Greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, though the weather outside is frightful. Uh, got any questions or concerns? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you're listening to the show while you're standing down at the winter warm-up in line, I don't know what time it actually opens when people are actually get to get out of that line. But, I mean, this this line weaves, weaves, weaves in the lobby of the Hyatt Regency at the Arch. But uh, one thing, too, if you don't go out now and walk on your lawn because Mike Miller told you don't do that. But uh, just take a look around, if you can, from your sidewalks or your patios or driveway or whatever, and look how many actual weeds there may be growing in your landscape. These are weeds that are... Cool season weeds. So in other words, cool season means they thrive during the cold weather. Not just cool weather, cold weather. So they germinated last, let's say, mid to late August, early September. They're growing, growing, growing. They could care less. When it freezes, of course, they're going to stop. But the freezing doesn't kill them. So it's kind of like zoysia. Freezing, cold weather doesn't kill zoysia. 
hopefully if your zoysia is healthy. But consequently, what happens is it just kind of goes dormant. And that's what this, the zoysia, when it warms up for even a few days, doesn't green up real quickly. But these weeds, as soon as it starts warming up, even those few warm days that we had last week, they were already, you know, back pumping. And they, during this process, they are producing flowers. These flowers will then drop seeds. Those seeds will lay there all the way up until next August. And that's when they'll germinate. So they'll continue to do that. These cool season weeds will continue to grow and produce seeds all the way up until the weather warms, which, you know, that's hard to say when it's going to be. But let's say sometime early April, mid-April, early May, then they're going to just die off. But during that time, they've produced a huge amount of weed seeds that just, they don't care. You know, the mother plants or father plants, if you want to call it that, um, die because it gets too hot, but the seeds could care less. So that's when you have to start thinking about pre-emergence. I'll talk about this, you know, the warm season weeds and putting the pre-emergence down a little later. Mark lives in South City. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, got a question about my zoysia lawn. I've got the fungus in different spots, and I've been treating it uh, over the last two seasons. And I was wondering, could I turn that ground with a garden tiller and then wait for the next freeze and have uh, maybe have that freeze kill that fungus? More than likely not. Probably it's just kind of like the cool season weeds. Fungus spores, you know, the fungus technically is not going to be necessarily growing during the cold season, depending upon what kind of fungus there is. There's actually wintertime-type funguses, and then there's summertime. Summertime are the most deadly. The wintertime fungus, you know, whether it's on anything, it's usually going to be more impactful on bluegrasses and fescues, but it can impact zoysia. So turning stuff over doesn't do a darn thing. It doesn't help at all. What you should do is if you know where these spots are in your zoysia, just before you, you know, as a zoysia just starts greening up, start applying your fungicide then. Don't wait until you start seeing it. And there is, you know, a certain type of fungus, you know, it's called zoysia decline that actually kills the zoysia and it never does recover. So depending upon what type you have, but give it a shot and see if, you know, starts, you know, applying the fungicide just as your zoysia is greening up. Apply it every two to three or four weeks, depending upon the weather, and do that for, you know, one or two or three months, again, depending upon the weather, and then see if you get the stuff under control. If that doesn't control it, if that doesn't help the spot, then you're probably going to have to, you know, cut the old sod out where it's brown slash dead and just install new sod. Yeah, most of most of the sod that has died, it it just goes straight to it goes right to uh, bare spots. Right. And so, you know, I didn't know which other, you know, what other way I could go. I've had it treated. I've treated it myself. Okay. And I just keep getting, you know, it just keeps moving around the property. Right. So, and, uh, you know, on your mower blade, on the bottom of your shoes, I don't know if you have pets or dogs or squirrels or all that stuff. They, you know, these, let's say, more or less deadly or aggravating fungus spores can be on the bottom of all kinds of different things and be spread that way as well. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Sure. Have a good uh, weekend. Yeah, same to you. And... Yeah, don't freeze. But anyway, yeah, fungus here is just a disaster. Certain years, 
Oh, it's not quite as bad, but other years is like, whoa. And again, there are two different funguses that grow during the wintertime. One does require snow. The other one doesn't, but it doesn't. It's not deadly to the, you know, the lawn plants, but it does just kind of weaken them. And then when the weather starts warming up, then that's when the trouble begins. Dave lives in St. Louis County. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Very good. Hey, um, got a question on uh, cutting back hydrangeas. Whether uh, that that is necessary or what time of year you should do it? Uh, it depends upon variety. The PG hydrangea is the one that blooms in the springtime. Now, if you prune mm-hmm. that one now, then you're cutting right. off the flower buds. Okay. The, you know, there are continuous blooming ones. There's ones that bloom in the summertime. Those, and then like the oak leaf hydrangea blooms later on uh, beyond mm-hmm. spring. So those, you can actually prune them, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, again, go out and prune this time of year. But as soon as the weather starts warming up after Valentine's Day, you can prune them at that time because those types of hydrangeas bloom, set flower buds, and actually bloom on new wood. So, in other words, growth that will happen this year, where the spring-blooming ones bloom on wood, last year's wood. So that's two, the flowers on the PG hydrangea are from buds from 2017. The ones on the oak leaf hydrangea and the other, you know, Continuous blooming ones bloom on wood that was grown in 2018. Okay. So All right. it's, you know, Very good. yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as pruning goes, you don't have to prune unless you just want to. And hopefully right. they were placed in a spot where they can be as mature and as big as you want. And uh, that's probably the best, you know, best information you really need is look at mature size on where the plants are going to be installed. Are you, you wearing your shorts over to Walgreens today? <laughs> of course. Well, I don't. I'm, I'll wear them tomorrow, you know, to Walgreens. Today, I'm going to work in the yard. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Shorts. Yeah, it's Bye. been you know over a decade now. So I don't care about the weather. Who cares? You know, people say, "Well, how can you stand it?" Well, most of us don't cover our face. You know, when it's cold. So we acclimate, our face gets acclimated. My legs have been acclimated, even though I got all kinds of veins because I'm 68 year old legs, 68 and a half now, actually. So uh, I got blue veins and all this other stuff, but it doesn't seem to matter all that much. So let's see if we can get to Southern Illinois. And Teresa, how are you today? I am wonderful. How are you? Very good. Okay. My question is I relocated here to, from Chicago 10 years ago. And every year I plant cherry trees, and they don't last more than a year or two. Is there a secret? (laughs) Not necessarily. Variety-wise is probably most important. Where are you buying them? Lowe's. So I would say maybe go to a garden, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Lowe's, but a lot of times the big box places don't necessarily take good quality care of their plant material. Yes, they, when they're first off the truck, they're fine, and, but sometimes some of them have you know subcontractors that come in. In other words, the big box stores doesn't necessarily own the plant material, so whoever does technically own it, they'll come in and take care of them, but some of them do not do that. So the, the stuff just sits there and sits there and sits there, and even though it looks healthy, the root system may be declining. So that would be my most, you know, my major concern. I would take a look at going to a garden center that's a year-round garden center. You pretty much know, not always, but the majority of the time they are going to take care of their plant material. But if you've had multiple, you know, times that you've bought plant material at the same place and have had not good luck with it, to me, that says something about the plants, not about you. Also, when you plant, 
Make sure the hole is three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So you want the top 20% of the root ball higher than the surrounding ground. So in case there right. is any settling or anything like that, and um, that's about and no fertilizer in the hole or anything, just make sure that it gets established before you start worrying about fertilizing. Okay, we'll try again. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Or you can just go to the store and buy cherries. <laughs> no. I'm kidding you. I want to grow my own. Well, I understand. Okay. But, you know, with any kind of fruiting tree, realize that you've got about any place between five to seven years before you're going to start getting much fruit production at all. So it's going to right. take patience. So I'm sorry right. you've that's had this. Yeah, you've been that's discouraged. Why I started, that's why I started 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but they've all, they've all died. And my lo- the locals over here say cherries don't grow here. Well, but you know. That doesn't, Yeah. I don't know why they would say that. Maybe uh, maybe this particular county is anti-cherry. But growing up in Ellisville, which is, you know, West County, uh, my you know, we had peach trees and we had cherry tree in our backyard. And they were planted before the house was even built. So they were there because I think the area where Maple Lane was at that time was kind of a, led to a big farmhouse and all this other stuff. But there was rows of, you know, fruit trees on our side of the street. And, uh, oh. you know, even the construction or anything didn't kill them off. So I don't know why they oh. would say that. All right. Well, I'll keep trying. Right. And also do a little research. Go to the University of Illinois Extension Service and see what the best variety of cherries are for Illinois. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, don't burn your lips on that hot coffee, and we've got about 10 minutes left in this hour, so if you've got any questions or concerns about the outdoors, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Broadleaf evergreens like azaleas, rhododendrons, and things like that, I'm very concerned that the flower buds are not going to make it through these cold spells that we had. So hopefully they're okay. Maybe with protection and everything else where you have them planted, the weather is not going to impact them. But a lot of times that those are the plants that are really, that we just have a difficult time growing anyway. And we just wait and wait and wait. And hopefully they're going to bloom for us in the springtime. One way you can tell if the flower buds are still viable is go out and just cut a small twig. You know what the bud looks like. It looks like, let's say, a bud. And uh, just stick it in some warm water inside and see if you start to see the bud open up a little bit. It may not open up entirely, but that could give you a, a, a sort of an indication that there is not been or there hasn't been damage to your azaleas. You know, because they're just not broadleaf evergreens are not native to here for the most part. So we've brought them in. Yes, some years they're fantastic, and some people have some great ones. But there has been thousands of them that have not survived due to our weather. And it's not necessarily just the cold weather. It's a combination of crazy weather. That's the worst part of it. Because broadleaf evergreens, hollies, azaleas, rhododendrons, they all have very, let's say, fibrous root systems. And that's, you know, and they're usually close to the surface. And so the root systems are impacted. It doesn't necessarily kill them, but it impacts on the uptake of moisture, which keeps the buds viable. Let's go to Julie, and Julie lives in Alton. Hi, Julie. Hi. 
Thanks for taking my questions. Sure. So I have a couple knockout rose bushes in my yard, mm-hmm. and they're about five foot tall, five feet tall. And I was wondering, when do I need to cut them back, and how far can I cut them back? Well, I used to just say always cut a third off, but plenty of people have said cut more of them, you know, more of the knockout roses in particular off. And uh, just do any kind of pruning that you need to do before the new growth begins in the springtime. So... Let's say sometime, you know, in early March, I doubt if the new growth is going to start before then. You can prune them back at that time. So March, I don't have to wait until May. No. Heavens no, don't wait till May because if you do that, the new growth has already started. So it's not necessarily going to influence the the flowering, but, uh, you know, cut back, you know, as much as you want. I'm growing knockout roses in pots, and mine probably got like maybe four-plus feet high, and I have them in the garage now. It's still in the pots, and I cut them back to about 18 inches. Oh, 18 inches. Yeah. I didn't know if I could cut them back to a foot and a half or two-foot feet. Or yeah, that's, I mean, inches. you may be taking a chance, but uh, I just decided, uh, you know, I normally don't cut them quite that low, but uh, since I tell people don't do it, and they may do it anyway. I just, a lot of times I will take my own plant material and make it a sort of an experiment. So I've cut them back right. fairly right. low. Right. I see. Okay. I just didn't want to kill them because they're gorgeous. Yes. There's no maintenance on them. <laughs> they are I fantastic. Like uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Certainly. And enjoy. And uh, let's go to Fred, and he's from Collinsville. Hi, Fred. Hi. Uh, morning. Take, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have two large. Uh, pecan trees, they're about 40 to 45 years old. Uh, they bloom every spring very well. They put on nuts, but about August they start dropping off. And uh, I've noticed on the leaves, some of them have a round dot raised up on the leaf, and I don't know whether that's a disease of some sort. Um, you have any ideas? Uh, with the pecans, as far as the nuts, you know, dropping, that's probably weather-related as much as anything. As long as the majority of the leaf is still green, even though it has these dots, I wouldn't be overly concerned with them. Okay. Well, this started about four years ago. I used to get about 70, 70 75 pounds of nuts off Whoa. Of and now I, I get uh, hardly any. Yeah. And maybe, you know, how old are these? About 40 or 45 years old. Well, it may be an age factor, too, with them. Yeah. So, I mean, there are several different kinds of trees. Hackberry gets, like, lumps on the leaves. Several different trees get lumps on the leaves. Sometimes it's a you know virus, fungus. Sometimes it's an insect. But uh, that's, you know, as long as the overall leaf, if you only got a few of those on there, looks healthy and good, then that's about as much as you can do. But as far as production-wise, you know, whether it's an apple, whether it's a cherry, whether it's a peach, whether it's a nut tree— Probably walnuts can go and continue to produce a lot longer than some of the other ones. Even though pecans are technically native to this region, they're not quite as hardy as, let's say, a walnut. So it may be an age factor, you know, that's kind of contributing to the inability of the trees to actually produce good fruit, good nuts. And, I mean, it's a lot of energy to produce nuts or fruit. It, it, the trees look healthy. It, I just uh, I just was curious why they weren't uh, producing. Well, they do produce nuts, but it just won't stay on. Right. And that's probably just they don't have the energy. They don't have the root system. They don't have, the, let's say, the interior structure to keep them going and going until they can actually be harvested. Well, I've been fertilizing around the tree, but 
you know, that didn't seem to help either. Yeah, if you're not feeling well yourself or you're getting old like me, sometimes just eating is not going to make that much difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, appreciate uh, you giving me information. All right, good luck with that. And again, uh, I'm, you know... It just sounds like it's an age factor as much as anything. So thanks, Fred. And now let's go to John from St. Louis County. Hi, John. I have a question about a hibiscus that I brought inside. It bloomed all summer, brought it inside. It lost most of its leaves. Right. A few of them are coming back, and it's got three buds. What do I need to do to try to be sure those buds bloom? (laughs) Well, you can keep your fingers crossed. That's about, you know, bringing hibiscus, That they're wonderful plants and everything else, but bring them inside. A lot of times you get the leaf drop, which you can anticipate. And again, it's just like, you know, producing any kind of fruit or anything else. It has a lot of energy for any plant to produce flower buds and then actually have those flower buds to open. So as long as, it, you know, is I'm assuming it has leafed out, the leaves still look good and everything else, but flowering is going to be very, very difficult at best. So. I would say there's not really too much you can do that's going to make that much difference. Hopefully you got it in a very sunny location, and that's about as much as you can do. Don't overwater. How about uh, fertilizer? Uh, Fertilizing, generally, if they were in flower, I would say, yes, go ahead and fertilize. You could try a low-analysis houseplant food, but only if it says one tablespoon per gallon of water, make it one teaspoon. So in other words, half the label rate, but that's probably not what the problem is. Okay, I thank you. We'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, that sounds a little crass or a little, let's say, whatever. But I mean, things, you know, inside, boy, oh, boy, they just don't really do all that well. Even, let's say, at the Botanical Garden, when I worked, uh, you know, five years there, last year was in the Climatron, we had a lot of hibiscus there. And even the shortness of the day, even in the Climatron, which had light coming all the way around, and, but now some of these were growing in the shade of higher palm trees and stuff like that. They just didn't, you know, they dropped a lot of the buds before they actually even opened up. And bud production, flower production just wasn't all that great. So thanks, John. And we've got another hour of the Garden Hotline. So if anybody does have any questions or concerns or you'd like to just stand out the window and look and see, hmm, wonder what's going on with this, that cold spell you know, really did some major damage. I've got a small boxwood that I planted. I got a little narrow strip between my garage and the alley. I put in uh, euonymus, yeah, winter creeper, and a boxwood back there with some other stuff. Now the verb, you know, the verbena, lemon verbena, it's black. The coal got it. But the, any kind of the tip growth or new growth, probably an inch or so on the winter creeper euonymus and on the boxwood. It got cold damage with the cold just, you know, of last week. So it's really, it's a struggle out there. There's no getting around it. Being in this transition zone from the south comes up to us and the north comes down to us, and we're right at that point where some years all the southern-oriented things do really great, and some years all the, let's say, wintertime stuff does really great, and there's just no way to know because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. It's just every month is going to be somewhat different drought wise and everything else so just uh maybe you've got any questions 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120 spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.